Logan, for those of you who don't know, is a movie about uh, X-Men Wolverine. And it's a story about Logan meeting his daughter. And in the midst of what happens, uh, he loses his life. And his daughter is who you saw at the end there. Now, his daughter has grown up not in the greatest of circumstances, including not really knowing much outside of where she grew up. And so a lot of what we know is common uh, is not really known to her and thus doesn't really have much meaning. And so... The first time I saw this movie and I watched her take that cross, a cross that uh, someone just decided to put there um, because maybe it was the common thing to do, she realized that for her that cross didn't have any meaning. She didn't know anything about it. And so she turned it into something that did have meaning for her and for her love for her father. She uses a symbol That means something to her. And this is part of our faith. Following the one who means something to us. What does it mean? And how do we share that? Now, if you saw um, as she was doing that, there were there were others kind of walking away in the background. And those were the new friends that she had made. And uh, she probably uh, said something to her friends about who her father was. There was likely someone as they were walking who said, well, who was he? And so she told them. She told them her story of what this man meant to her. And it got me thinking about the walk to Emmaus. The story of two individuals who knew Jesus enough that they were there during the crucifixion and that his death meant something was devastating to them. And as they were walking home, the stranger meets up with them and asks, well, who was he? Tell me about him. And so they started telling their version of the story of Jesus. That was their season one. And so that's what we'll be doing during the season of Lent, maybe even from the perspective of what if we were on the Emmaus road and someone asked us, well, who is this person who means so much to you? How would we tell that story? How would we start at the beginning in season one? Because as our tagline says, before we can follow Jesus, we must first know who he is. Have we ever really thought about it, thought about it in that way? How how do I know who this Jesus is that I am following? Or am I following him because it's really all I have ever known, all I have ever remembered? So I I asked this, I posed this question on Facebook a while ago. In fact, I think I was still on renewal leave. And I just, I asked something to the effect of, you know, what's your favorite season one um, series? And people gave their answers, and I asked, you know, why, why was that your favorite? And a lot of them said something to the effect of it was a great way of introducing the characters. So just th- think of your favorite TV show, hopefully one that's been on for several seasons. So there's been a lot of growing, there's been a lot of evolution, there's been a lot of development, so that when you go back and you watch those first few episodes, it may seem totally different than the way that you watch it and engage it um, in the present time, especially if it's been on for several years. Maybe you watch back and you think, oh, my gosh, how did it start this way? You know, it was so it was kind of crude. It was introductory. um, It didn't really seem like they knew what they were doing. And so it's interesting for us to think back at the beginning 
of something. Do we ever do that with Jesus? Because everybody knows Jesus. I mean, if you if you ask someone, you know, do you know who Jesus is? I mean, of course, they're going to say yes, because they don't want you to go any further. But what is it really like to meet Jesus for the first time? What is it like to be introduced to him as a person, as a character from the point of view that we have never met this person before? Because many of us probably never uh, can remember that time when we actually met Jesus. Now, there may be some of us who who do. There may be some of us who have and can say the day and and can even talk about what was like what life was like before having no idea, not not even knowing maybe the name. But do we remember what it was like to first encounter him for him to make a difference to us, for him to make an impact on our lives and and maybe start within us that curiosity that we wanted to know more, that we wanted to go deeper, that we wanted to follow So maybe we can look at Jesus like we would a new TV series and maybe ask the question, learning who Jesus is, do I really want to follow this person? Because to those who don't automatically know, to those who don't automatically believe, maybe we need to think about this from their point of view and share in a way that speaks to them. Because for some, a cross is not going to mean anything. But an X could mean everything. So today we are introduced to Jesus. And we are introduced to Jesus in the Gospel of Mark, the very first sentence of the Gospel of Mark, and the baptism which takes place in the Gospel of Matthew. See, Mark is great because it goes very, very fast. There's very little filler. And it really just is about who Jesus is and why Jesus is. What Jesus has to offer. And then the baptism that we experience and engage with in the gospel of Matthew. This begins Jesus's ministry. And we see that Jesus begins his ministry not by what he gives. But by what he receives. Now it's important for us to remember that in our. The the way that we have the Bible. The way that it's structured today. There is about 400 years between the Old Testament or the Hebrew Bible and the New Testament. 400 years. I mean, that's like something out of a fantasy novel. You know, all of this this period of darkness in between things that happen. I mean, that's kind of a standard set for a really epic series. 400 years of nothing. 400 years of darkness. 400 years of uncertainty. 400 years of waiting. And then here comes the gospel of Mark, which in our Bible is the earliest gospel. And it begins not with a birth story, but it begins with Jesus literally just walking on the scene. And here's how it begins. The good news of Jesus Christ, the message begins here. So after 400 years, the message of Jesus Christ, the good news, the good news, the embodiment of good news begins here. Season one, episode one. And then you fast forward to the Gospel of Matthew, and it starts to fill out a bit, right? The Gospel of Matthew takes what Mark wrote and fleshes it out, puts some more tradition to it, puts some more imagery and some more context. And then we get things like the story of the baptism, which we find in chapter 3. It says, Jesus then appeared 
arriving at the Jordan River from Galilee. He wanted John to baptize him. John objected, saying, I'm the one who needs to be baptized, not you. But Jesus insisted. Do it, he said. God's work, putting things right all these centuries, all these centuries, is coming together right now in this baptism. So John did it. I mean, even that kind of has a a fast moving uh, pace to it. They don't really spend a whole lot of time talking and Jesus is saying, let's do it. But also listen to what he says. He says, God's work, putting things right all these centuries. So he acknowledges that it has been a long time. Have you ever felt like four centuries has gone by when you're waiting when you're waiting for an answer, where you're waiting for an outcome, where you're, you're just waiting for that next thing to happen. And it just seems like it takes day after day after day. And, and then the number just becomes meaningless. And Jesus says, I understand. I've been there. And now we're going to move forward. So, of course, with the Gospel of Matthew, you have the birth story, the story that we celebrate every Advent, every Christmas Eve, uh, the story that we read year after year after year, the story that we seem to know so well in our minds and in our hearts. Yes, Jesus is born. And in the midst of that, especially in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is born as the fulfillment of what was to happen all of those centuries later. The, the fulfillment of what the ancient Israelites, the ancient Jewish people had, had grown up learning and had been told by their ancestors and their ancestors before them that the Messiah would come to fulfill God's promises. So, yes, it happens in the story of the birth, but it also happens in the baptism. And in fact, in Matthew's gospel, everything that Jesus does leads up to the fulfillment of the, of the Messiah that had been prophesied to them. So what's important to know and to remember about Jesus being introduced is that Jesus is being introduced as God incarnate. Now, that might seem really common and and simple to us today, and especially during Christmas, because we talk a lot about that, you know, that the God is born in Jesus. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. But try to think about this as though you've never heard that before. Try to imagine watching this episode like you've never seen anything like this before in your life. Like you have lived in a world where it seems impossible that God would be incarnated in any way, certainly in human form. Just try to imagine it. Imagine a world where God was not incarnate. And then here comes this guy, Jesus, asking to be baptized. See, part of what the baptism here does, part of what Jesus is inviting, and the reason that he's asking John to do this is not just what he himself receives, but about what he's trying to get us to do to understand the significance of baptism and the significance of water. See, it's not just about the incarnation of he, Jesus himself. It is also about the incarnation of water that is taking place. So he's getting us to reflect on how it is that we are restored in the baptismal waters. Because remember, he, God incarnate, Jesus, is ushering in that remembrance of God being active in the waters literally from day one. 
as the planet was formed, as creation was formed, as everything was brought from chaos into harmony, starting with those waters. So Jesus, as he's being baptized, of course, is experiencing this new life, this new life that we are all invited to experience. And that's part of why baptism in the United Methodist Church is one of our two sacraments, because Jesus received this himself and calls us to do so. But it's also the the primordial part. That when we interact with water, we are remembering how it is that God took those waters of chaos and made it into something beautiful. So Jesus is receiving this new life and invites us to do so as well. And then we hear God's voice. As Jesus comes out of the water, we hear God's voice saying, this is my son, my beloved with him. I am well pleased. It harkens back to that day one, the, the, the true season one, episode one, when God takes the chaos of the water and makes it into something that is ordered and something that is beautiful, something that God looks upon and says it is good. And then Jesus, God incarnate, walks into that water and among God's people allows that water to now envelop over him. And as he breaks forth and is born again, We hear God's message. For this is my son, which means this is part of my creation. And it is beloved. Just like all of you. So this voice hovering over the waters is the same voice that hovered over the waters from the beginning Where there was darkness, now there was light. Where there was chaos, now there was order. Where there was nothing, now there is love. And it is the same voice that speaks to Jesus, God incarnate, there in front of all of these people. So we now see a historical, tangible person Not just showing us what it means to have new life, but what it means to remember back when that life started all those years, all those centuries, millions of years ago. Here we are at the beginning. And so those symbols of beginning are incredibly significant. Jesus begins the same way that God began. With water. We talk about this in confirmation, which is going to be happening here in a few weeks. Our students are going through it right now, and this is part of what they are learning, part of what it means, not just to be a United Methodist, but what does it mean to be a person, a child of God? And so for those who have not been baptized as a part of their confirmation, they will be if they choose to do so. And all those who have been baptized, they will have an opportunity to remember their baptism because in the United Methodist Church, we know that it's important for all of us to experience that as much as possible. Not another baptism, but a remembrance. That any time we interact with the water, we know and we remember that it is God's water. And any time we interact with that water, we can hear those words. This is good. You are good. Even Jesus hears these words. But our confirmands are students who decide to say yes. Not only are they going through confirmation, but they also receive a commission. 
similar to Jesus. That it doesn't stop with the baptism. In fact, the baptism is just the beginning. Our confirmands will receive a commission that they now go out into the world as individuals who have taken that next step. And part of that next step is having, hopefully, a better understanding of who they are as United Methodists, as disciples, as children of God. And start to experience that next level, what it means to be called into ministry. Now, of course, that doesn't mean they're being called to be pastors, although that might be true. But the reality is they are being called to be ministers in some way. Just as all of us here have been called into ministry in some way. And the reality is we need every single minister. We need every single person to know that they too have been called not just to be loved, but to share that love with the world. It's a huge call. Sometimes it's overpowering. Sometimes it's too much. It's overwhelming. And we feel like we can't do it. Which is why the water is important. It's a reminder. No matter what episode of life we may find ourselves in. It is a reminder that God never leaves us. Because the next episode. Is when Jesus is called. Maybe even commissioned. To go out into the wilderness. That once he hears and everybody else hears who Jesus is, my son, the beloved with whom I am well pleased. Now he's given a call and a commission to go out into the wilderness, a place of mystery, even danger, and really discover what that means. Who is Jesus? At this point in life, in our world, it seems like a rhetorical question, maybe even a cheesy question. But have we really thought about it in terms of never knowing Jesus before today, before this time of Lent? Who is Jesus? Because the reality is, it doesn't really matter at the end who I tell you Jesus is. Who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus for you? Because eventually, when we find ourselves on that Emmaus road and someone starts to walk with us and wants us, maybe even needs us to tell that story. How will we how will we tell that story in our own way? Who is Jesus to you? Thank you, Shelby and Justin and Ina and Brandon. As we are reminded of the simple yet powerful way that each and every one of us has only but to interact with the water. And so this week, as we go forth in our lives, as we continue this Lenten journey, I just invite you to interact with that water in some way, whether it's driving by a lake, maybe even walking to a lake or however it is that as you interact with the water, you remember the story of Jesus's baptism and how it reconnects us to that story of creation millions of years ago. And there may be even someone who asks, why is this so important? And maybe that's an opportunity to share the first episode of what it means for Jesus to ask for this to happen to him so that it can happen to us. So that if we, as we are on our own Emmaus journey and we have the opportunity to share that story, you will know that someone needs to hear your story the way that you are able to tell it. So may we go 
as God's storytellers this Lenten season and share the episodes of Jesus Christ. And may we go in peace. Amen. <laughs>